0: One can!
1: And welcome to episode one of NXT, The Rise and Fall, brought to you by SJP World Media. My name is Sai. you'll probably recognise my voice from numerous other shows on SJP World Media, but a voice you may not recognise straight away, unless you've seen the guy wrestle, because he can be a bit shouty. Uh, my co-host for this venture, back through NXT, The Black and Gold, The Rise and Fall, Mr. Joshua Goodwin. How are you doing, sir?
0: I am very well. Hello, everyone. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Si. It's great to be a part of uh, SJP World Media. It'll be a grand old time we'll have going through all of the uh, black and gold.
1: Yes, I think so. I think so. Um, we're going to do this, I suppose. I mean, you, you and I have messaged back and forth for quite a while about this project uh, and sort of ironing out the details and so on. We're going to kind of go along in a very similar format to the Nitro Nights show that I do with our good friend Scottish Danny in the way that we review the episodes in date order and sort of rate them at the end of the show and so on. But there's going to be quite a different twist on this one. Whereas with Scottish Danny on Nitro Nights, it's very much a case of I was a massive WCW fan growing up and I've gone back and watched as much as I can. I can't get enough of it. Danny hasn't seen it. So that's the kind of interesting dynamic there here. It kind of feels almost the other way round, because most of the takeovers, especially in, shall we, I don't know what you'd refer to as the, the, the glory days, potentially the, the, the most, the, the more, uh, the more well-known days, maybe I'm not sure, but you know, the, the era that most people will, will know what I'm referring to. I've seen the takeovers. I've seen the odd episode that aside, I've barely seen any, Of the product uh, with regards to the weekly television the early takeovers and so on whereas i know you're you've seen a lot more than i so i think this is going to be quite an interesting dynamic from that standpoint because i've never been on a show before where i don't know what i'm about to watch
0: well yeah i mean the funny thing about that is i thought that i'd seen quite a lot of nxt and, and i have but not nearly as much as I thought. So this is, I'm going in just as blind, at least for now, for at least the next uh, two, three years, (laughs) (laughs) we're both going to be like, "Hmm, this is interesting. But for for me, it was very much, um, I I was a big fan of NXT. Um, I've always looked at it almost in the similar light as ECW. Okay. Where it was, there's a lot of parallels there. They, um, they both ran for around the same time I mean, NXT 2.0 is still a thing, but I'd say it's very much, it's, it's become something else entirely. Like it's almost, it feels like a different company, doesn't it? Yeah. It's an entirely different thing. And you never know with, you know, how things have gone. It might, you know, come back around, but Mm -hmm. at the moment it, it's very much, it was something that started off. It was sort of just spare parts and, you know, cobbled together and, It's like, you know, well, we've got some people from you know the Indies and people who we don't really know what to do with, and we'll just sort of get them on the show and we'll hopefully build some people. Um, you know, out of the ashes of SCW, which was like the developmental territory of the time. Mm -hmm. Um and then sort of grew and developed into something and wound up very much its own identity and well, in just grew some stars, like Yes. Absolute like household names now in terms of wrestling have come from NXT and not not just like the guys that started off as the indie darlings, like people who started from zip. And I I also think it'd be interesting to look at some of the people who crashed out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like some, some of the folks who like that, so the first episode here, like it was interesting seeing the people in like the opening package because those are the guys who they're like these are our guys, these are the ones, and some of them definitely like you know you had Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins will get into it, but there are also guys, and it was like, I mean I know you because I know wrestling, but yeah, you didn't work out, and it'll be interesting to see because for some people it's just bad luck, mm-hmm. and it was like, mm, yeah
1: yeah definitely i mean this first episode which we'll come to in just a moment there's quite a few of those that i want to touch upon with regards to guys working under different names and i'm kind of looking at them and i'm thinking where do i know that dude from <laughs> Yeah, I've, 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 I've ended up having to google that and then it comes up with the, the more famous persona that they worked under and i'm like no way and it you know and I, I that was one of the biggest plus points for this episode for me i enjoyed it so much from that aspect but you're right i mean actually does it did kind of become its own, its own phenomenon, didn't it? It was, uh, and the fan base again. Your your likening to ECW, the fan base is something that I pick up on with regards to that because the ECW fans are quite well were quite notorious for being fanatical and passionate and so loyal to the product. Uh, I think NXT had a group of fans or had a following then, shall we say, that kind of ticked a lot of the same boxes as well, and it seems to be quite often that when you'd have a, a a takeover on the same weekend as a big WWE main roster event, the sort of internet wrestling fans who are still relatively a small minority in the amount of people that watch wrestling, they were very much a case of NXT was superb main roster show was not for me. So I think that grew the kind of, you mentioned Indie Darlings tag there. I think it grew some of those, those individuals as well because they were doing their thing on NXT and older wrestling fans as well, I think sort of levitated to that, I guess. I mean, I enjoyed what I saw on NXT more so than the main roster because it felt more niche and directed at what I wanted. Whereas Mm -hmm. the main roster is so broad. They're trying to cater for so many, so many different age groups and uh, people who like, I don't know, brawling and people who like some high flying stuff. People who might like more the cartoony storyline aspect, whereas NXT felt a little bit more, stripped down and and more niche to my own personal tastes. Have I explained that correctly? Mm -hmm. Does does that make
0: sense? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think um, there's a few things to unpack there. Um, But I think, for for one, I agree absolutely that the um, NXT crowd at a certain point becomes like that, Mm -hmm. its own thing, and it, it gets on board with pretty much anything that they're given. But at the same time, they're given things that, the, you know, the higher-ups know that the sort of thing that they'll like. And yeah. it's it's very good. But then at some point, it can be to the detriment of the bigger picture. Like, you know, when guys go to Raw and SmackDown, some of them take off and some of them say, eh, you know, it, it didn't take in the same way as it did with NXT. And I think it would be interesting to see, to be able to look at that, and be like, okay, so why did this guy maybe not work out on a bigger yeah on a bigger stage
1: yeah totally on uh, um, it's going to be for me fascinating. almost doing a sort of where are they now kind of aspect with people who yeah. took off uh, who maybe had shall we say for one of a better term ropey gimmicks at the beginning to then finding their feet a bit more with something else and, and becoming stars in the main roster those that you mentioned as well that kind of fell away for whatever reason it didn't quite work out for them uh, and then others who were huge in NXT and this is something that obviously there was, those massive criticism of, of Vince McMahon and, and the main roster and so on. Huge stars in the fans of NXT's eyes getting their chance on the main roster and it not working for whatever reason. So I think that's going to be really interesting as we go through the shows, uh, you know, the weeks and months and years eventually of, of what we're looking at. Uh, before we get onto the actual episode of NXT we're looking at today. Do you want to let everybody know a little bit about your own background? Because you're not talking just as a fan of wrestling, are you? You've actually been in the ring yourself to to, to a very good extent. And, I mean, I've always enjoyed watching your work. Some people may recognize you from, from a chat we had for my old show, the SJP podcast going way back when. I mean... That show is probably going to resurface soon on the main SJP feed because a lot of the old shows are coming. Basically, people have asked to hear them again, so I'm putting them out five at a time or whatever on the on the main feed. So that show is probably going to come back up soon, anyway. But for those who aren't aware, do you want just want to give us a little little bit of a background of yourself and your own background in in the ring, I suppose.
0: Sure. Um, you're you're too kind, by the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we had a chat about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, I think it was. Hmm. Um, In terms of me, um, I've been wrestling on and off for uh, a while. Um, I am the other Heritage City hitman, (laughs) basically. uh, (laughs) And yeah, I've been bouncing around, throwing myself at the floor for a while. So I think, I'd I'd like to think that I'll be able to give somewhat of a different point of view on some things um and yeah i think and also the the fun thing as it were, is that there'll be a few people who'll actually be able to throw in some personal anecdotes about it. so you know just to yes just just a big league everyone you know <laughs>
1: excellent stuff excellent stuff Uh, yeah i mean like like i said i I love the heritage Heritage city hitmen uh, when you know seeing you for evolution wrestling in gloucester and so on it it, it was superb i've still got my heritage city hitman t-shirt in the wardrobe and that i'm just probably a few pounds too big for it now but you know maybe someday in the future i can trim back down to it (laughs)
0: i've I've got the same problem as it happened. right
1: (laughs) uh our i suppose nxt Watch back, look back, however you want to word it, uh, is going to be very much based upon, I suppose, the black and gold era. So we're going to start today with the first episode that was broadcast from Full Sail University, which was June the 20th, 2012, and basically run from there. Because again, talking about NXT 2.0 now, that feels like something different. Before this, NXT <laughs> it's, it's felt something so- different,
0: didn't it? It's almost 3.0, isn't it? Yeah, I guess when you're right. When you think yeah. about it, because yeah. the first one was very much, it, it was sort of a game show, mm. for want of a better word. Like, and uh, obviously, that in of itself produced some interesting characters. And, you know, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson got his uh, break, as it were, there. And a lot of names. And that that actually might also be an interesting conversation one day to see, like, you know, where are they now on all those guys?
1: Yeah, but, yeah
0: definitely. But, you know, one, one thing at a
1: time. But again, this is the thing we're talking about. Where are they now? And so on. It's not like, I suppose, I suppose, you know, time is, is what it is. And and it feels like time moves quicker in certain aspects than others. Mm -hmm. I think of if somebody says to me, you know, old wrestling, and they want to have a conversation about where people are now, just because of the nature of the beast, my age and what I've, what I've watched and so on. I, I think back to Jim Crockett promotions, the NWA and so on. And that's what I'm thinking about going back to older wrestling. That's kind of my kind of my kind of wheelhouse NXT. It feels, I mean, this episode we're looking at is from 2012. So it's hmm. give or take a month. It's, it's a year. It's, it's 10 years ago, but this feels like longer. This feels like okay. 10 years. Doesn't seem, like I mean, you, you think about it 10 years ago was 2012. That's, you know, a lot of the guys on the main roster in WWE are probably still knocking about you at AEW or in WWE again themselves and so on. It doesn't feel like a long time ago when you look at potentially Raw, SmackDown, and so on. But it's, it feels like a whole different generation in comparison mm-hmm. to where we are now to NXT from 2012 to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing for me in that regard is look at the wrestling, look mm. at how different the actual wrestling is like no, not so much the moves, but because we've had a very much, I think with AEW and some of the influences from Japan, there's been like a, to coin a phrase, a paradigm shift yes. in terms of like the wrestling like there's been a whole new generation of wrestling. And I think it's, it's taken place over these 10 years as well. So that it could be interesting to see where that transition. Cause I actually think that NXT played a big part in that as well.
1: Yeah, I I think you're right. I I think without NXT, there's potential... Well, I think without NXT, there is no AEW. I mean, that's a a whole different podcast, breaking all that stuff down. But for me, just to sort of bullet point it, without NXT, I don't think there is an AEW. I don't think the likes of the Bucks, Omega and so on, get the eyes on them in Japan that potentially helps them come over here, over to the States and and set up AEW. Because before before you know th- th- these guys were wrestling in the states beforehand omega was in in a way in nxt before it became nxt i suppose mm-hmm. and the bucks obviously were in tna and so on so eyes were on them in the states beforehand but it was never to the same level i mean nxt jericho going to uh, new japan to wrestle omega all of these things happening when they do it's almost like a perfect storm to create what we have now with aw and then what we ended up with with nxt as well it, i think it's sort of all kind of each one added a bit to the pie that got stirred up and exploded into this crazy period over a few years where to me it's the best i can remember wrestling
0: being in my lifetime as a mm-hmm. watching fan there's uh it's certainly got we've got a lot of things to look at at mm. the moment there's, there's definitely a lot of content um I don't know if I would say it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. I don't know. I mean, from my point of view, I think that the general average of like pro wrestling, I th- and it could be s- something to do with the fact that we are now in like developing a new style we are going to have some, some teething problems and things are mm-hmm. kind of going to have to get, worked out especially where you've got you know the old heads versus like the newer talent and there's going to be friction and this might lead to some uh, you know some fireworks but again i think these things have to, you have to adapt or perish so i guess we're uh we're potentially watching that i think in terms of you talking about the newer situation we're in i think a lot of things can come back to when wwe started the network i think that a lot yeah. of it, it was the the big bang of a lot of things that have taken place without, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that, you know, when they launched the network, they weren't thinking, well, this will spark off, this will result in a big number two promotion. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I can't imagine that was something they thought especially desirable. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's the genesis from a lot of things. And I'm sure yeah. it was something that uh, I'll bang on about for uh, a while at some point.
1: It is interesting as well from that standpoint. I, mean, I know we're sort of digressing a little bit here, but talking about the old heads and the young heads, butting butting heads, so to speak, and the changes in the business and so on. It is always interesting to me when I hear people moaning about the style of the Bucks uh, and so on. And it's not this, it's not that. But then you go back, I don't know, to the early to mid-90s, people were telling Shawn Michaels to slow down. You go back a bit further than that with the likes of Steamboat and Flair in 89. And then even Flair in the early 80s when Harley Race was the NWA champion in in what would it be, 81, 82. People were saying Flair needs to slow down. And it's just that it seems to always be on a cycle somehow that you tend to have these kind of generational discussions or generational butting of heads, I guess, just on different levels, potentially.
0: Yeah, I wonder what Ed Lewis would think of NXT. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but but oh. used, used to be that um you know people would chew out rick flair for hitting the ropes before the match started because it exposed the business so mm.
1: yeah. yeah crazy crazy how things move on and speaking of moving on nxt the black and gold really helped the business move on and i think that the importance of this company in This time period cannot be understated, but we're gonna go right to the very beginning of that era at full sale. And I mentioned it before here we are, June the 20th, 2012. Uh, we have a slightly cheesy Americanized intro, I guess, talking about how this is going to be the future. But I know if I'd have seen this in 2012, I would have loved this. Oh, looking yeah, at it, looking at it now, I was a bit like mm, it's a bit on the nose, isn't it? But it, again, it kind of set the scene for me,
0: yeah, definitely. It was, um, again. I- it, I come back to the point I made earlier. The thing that really interested me were the people in the package. In yes, terms okay. Of the, the folks you saw. So uh, so you had Bray Wyatt, Jason Jordan, The Ascension, uh, Leo Kruger, Seth Rollins, Cassius Ohno, Ricky Steam, Richie Steamboat, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and like those were just some of the guys. And it was like, these are the guys. These are the ones that we're anointing. These are the people who are going to matter these are the guys that we're saying now, like in 10 years, they're going to be the big names. And it's interesting how some of them are, and some of them not so much, and how we got there. But that's the whole podcast, yeah. isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The uh, so th- This is going to be a running theme, especially, I think, on early episodes, because this is all new to me. I've not seen this before. So mm-hmm. I have, in my mind, a certain, I suppose, stereotype of NXT TV. That's sure doesn't probably fit with a lot of what i'm actually going to watch and here i had a huge smile on my face when we had jim ross's music hit and he comes out to to do commentary now i'm a big jim ross fan but i didn't expect that on this first episode
0: i i think it was very much we want to give it a shot in the arm we want to have some people we want to have some people that uh you know the audience are familiar with which I think is also why we wind up with the main event we have, which we'll get to. Um, mm. I, d- I also think it's interesting the whole, it, the future is now. And the first two people we see are JR and Dusty Rhodes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, d- Dusty comes like, because he is the um, interim general manager, they're calling him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know why they would have made him interim. Maybe they just, they're like, we'll, we'll come up with a permanent one at some point, but we don't want it to be you, Dusty.
1: Yeah, perhaps I'm um, just a bit unsure of where they were going, I suppose, maybe. I don't know. But, maybe. I mean, Dusty roads what an entrance theme that is. It doesn't matter what mood I'm in. Whenever that comes on, I, c- I just can't have a sort of tap my foot and hum along to it. And I know for a fact, tonight I'm going to be making dinner and so on for the kids. I'm going to be humming that music as I'm doing it because it's going to be stuck in my head now
0: for days. <laughs> yeah, it's a—it's uh, one of them, tr- truly one of them wonderful uh, things. And one of the things that we can thank WWF for, or WWE. Yes. You know? We, have, we blame them for the polka dots. But when you, think of Dusty, <laughs> when you think of Dusty, he's wearing the polka dots, whether you like it or not. Even yourself as a Jim Crockett fan, they're still in there.
1: Yeah, it is true. It is true. I mean, I, don't, I get disappointed if I watch old Jim Crockett stuff and Dusty doesn't come out to that music, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do get a little, I suppose, vignette, video package, I guess, here, yeah. straight off the bat, talking we're, we're- about a new star.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to get a lot of those. So mm. uh, strapping for them, audience.
1: But this is Bo Dallas. Now, obviously, oh. I, I remember Bo Dallas from the whole uh, positivity, um, you you must believe, leave and, and so on. That aspect, that's where I know Bo Dallas from. So this was really interesting for me, seeing him, because certain aspects of that vignette, he was... It was intersliced with with him doing you know, moves and and so on, and the music blaring and all that. And then there were moments where he was simply just sat down talking, and he had that kind of southern drawl accent to him, a touch, which I which I quite liked because it seemed to add a bit more character to him as he spoke. And he had, of course, he's got that massive, crazy toothy grin, hasn't he? That sort of becomes part of his trademark in later later years. But yeah, th- this was to me quite an interesting start because we have that vignette and then he actually opens the wrestling aspect of the show. And I guess the wrestling aspect of, of our podcast, doesn't he?
0: Absolutely. I think my main takeaway from the Bo Dallas, like intro is I am a good guy. I am the good guy. And you're going to like me because I am the good guy. And there's a few times in the preceding thing that we're about to talk about, where it's very clear that he is the good guy.
1: Mm yes and he's wrestling a guy here called rick victor and i'm looking at that fella and i'm thinking where do i know him from and he's one of these that i had to google and then um. straight away as soon as it came up i wanted to slap myself for not recognizing him off my own bat without, without having to use my phone this is victor from the ascension sure but it is we also get you know jumping ahead a little touch here we also get the ascension later on in the show which is not with Victor in it. So this is all, again, completely new to me. This blew my mind watching this. But yeah, this is Bo Dallas versus Rick Victor. We have Jim Ross and William Regal on commentary, which is always a treat for me because I'm a big Regal fan. Uh, How how did you sort of take in this first match then? The the opening to this this era of NXT, I suppose.
0: Uh, I mean, I thought it was a good solid bit of wrestling myself. Mm -hmm. I I think that was very much you know the the two the two I think the two purposes that it served were to get Bo Dallas over like make him look good, yeah. and to do and to do wrestling like to have because again it's it's opening the show There should probably be some wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it very much did that job. Um, my main takeaways from it, other than that work. Didn't like the spear from Bo Dallas.
1: I was going to ask you about this.
0: Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't strike me. I mean, nowadays everyone and their mum who wrestles their finish is a spear, but I think at the time, maybe it was edge. So you could get away with it. But for me, ugh, and I don't like to overly worry about the moves, but he just seemed a bit small.
1: But, and that was exactly the question I was going to ask you. My note here literally says, ask. Does size matter for a spear? Because when he hit that spear, it was obvious to me, by the way, that his opponent took the spear, led down. we were either going to get a real kind of, you know, 2.9 seconds near fall and the guy's dead, then froze his super Cena esque waking up, I guess, or whatever. Or it was the finish, just simply mm-hmm. because, you know, I've watched enough wrestling, that I, I, I like to think anyway to kind of see where we're going. Sure. But Bo Dallas ain't a big fella. I mean he's not small, don't get me wrong, but he's not he's not a reins, he's not an edge, he's not he, I suppose Dave Batista used a spear for a while. He's I mm-hmm. imagine guys using a spear. Goldberg is the best example that comes to my, my mind right now. Yeah. I imagine guys using a spear being very broad shouldered, very uh, very wide and muscular. So when I saw Bo Dallas do it, I was like, Okay, does the size of the guy matter? To the impact of the move and you've really answered the question in that yeah you think it kind of does doesn't it
0: well I think does the size of the guy matter no it doesn't the impact okay. matters because if you, you again way ahead Johnny Gargano did like the slingshot spear and like while he's not in any way a big guy I think the impact of that is a thing like it looks mm. impactful I didn't think that this spear looked very impactful it was sort of flip sort of flopped over.
1: No, I get you. Okay. I mean, that, that obviously there is really, and I'm glad I asked now because that is my mind straight away went to the size of the guy, but the, the example you use there, Gargano blows that argument completely out of the water. And you're right. It is more the execution, I guess, looking back on the spear by Bo Dallas here, as opposed to how broad he is potentially.
0: I I think it was, he's just being too kind. I think if you're going to do a move like that, you kind of got to give it beans. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and the yeah. thing is, well, like the move that preceded, it was it, I think JR called it a power slam. I think it was a belly to belly and it was like a snap and that was like, I'm pretty sure that becomes like a move that he uses as a finish because it look it looks like, you know, real snappy. And mm-hmm. obviously, uh, the only guys I can think of used to do a belly to belly, like Magnum TA and Shane yeah. Douglas, they were bigger guys, but the impact of it was sufficient. I, I looked at it and went, yeah, that could be a finish.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I think I suppose these are certain moves that with the super kick, the DDT, these are certain moves that should to me be a finish, but over time have been watered down, maybe, you know, with, with overuse. And you mentioned the belly to belly there. Magnum TA won, you know, the United States championship with that sort of stuff. And it was seen as being a move that literally killed off the opposition. Now you see a belly to belly super X. It's just kind of like, okay, it, it almost feels like a transition to something else. And I feel we're getting that way with other bigger moves now, with regards to, I mean, sure, Michael's won five, five world titles with super kicks, but you'll see 15 super kicks a minute in AEW. It's kind of, I know it's progress yeah. and the wrestling business changes, but it kind of sometimes I think certain, uh, the, the DDT's one, you're dropping a guy on his head. Yeah. Could be the end, I
0: guess. I I'd say so. I mean, the, the formula hasn't changed or it shouldn't have changed in terms of, you know, we're still telling stories and, and to make the point actually about the spear, had Bo Dallas continued to use it, people would have bought it as a spear in the same way as people bought the people's elbow. Okay. Now it's consistency. Really? You do something Mm -hmm. enough and it gets that, um, that cachet as it were.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I okay, yeah. I suppose it's how you sell it to the audience as well, isn't it? If it's used as this, this happens, and you know it's the end, then um, it eventually it becomes the norm. I suppose
0: Santina Morella using the Cobra. Um, only one person ever kicked out of it. Really, and it, meant, and it meant that yeah, it was Daniel Bryan at Elimination Chamber. I'm pretty sure. And okay, when, and when he kicked out. Everyone lost their mind because no one had kicked out of it. So they believed it to be the finish. The fact that it was a finger poke in the chest was yeah. irrelevant.
1: Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. That's again, that's another whole different show. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, we get another little video package here where we're told that, and I'm excited about this Seth Rollins is debuting next week. And this is Seth wearing some brightly colored trunks with half his hair bleached blonde as well which my wife absolutely despised from the moment <laughs> she saw him or e- literally every time we'd see Seth Rollins whether it was Seth Rollins NXT or Seth Rollins in the shield my wife would be like I wish she'd saw his bloody hair out. Right? that's horrible I hate it all the time you know <laughs> so that's 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 what pops in my head whenever I see him like this you know
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. my um my main takeaway from it was that they had some footage and it looked like it was probably from a promo class. Mm. And I say that because he hadn't shaved his neck beard and it looked hideous. (laughs) That was The the long, it was a long deep cut t-shirt, wasn't it? With glasses on it. Yeah. yeah, And cleavage out. And, uh, yeah, just the, just as well. shave your beard, man. And I, and I imagine it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered because I'm sure that at the time they weren't filming it for TV. It was just, You know, they had a camera and they're like, that was a good promo, though. Now I think on it, I can't remember a word he said. No, and I'll tell you, that's, that's something
1: that happens quite a bit here and it's not criticism per se, but a lot of these video packages, they serve their purpose for me. They're saying such and such is coming next week, or this guy is coming sometime in the future. So it's getting you familiar with, with the character uh, that their, their look, their tone of voice, and you know the Bray Wyatt one we we see at some point, the music playing mm-hmm. behind him as he and so on. But when you think about it, they're all relatively generic, I suppose, aren't they? With regards to you, you mentioned Bo Dallas, the, ta- the take the takeaway from that was I'm the good guy. Yeah. But apart from that, there isn't much. But I suppose they're not entering into any proper programs yet. There's nothing for them to really aim. The aim their sort of motivation towards maybe i don't know what do you think
0: there is in my opinion nothing harder as a wrestler i'm sure there are but in terms of cutting a promo there's nothing more difficult than talking when you have nothing to say or you're just mm. introducing yourself and uh, obviously there's a lot of that now and coming up because they're very much laying the foundation like the next two, three weeks, we're going to be seeing, you know, sizzle reels and entrance packages and people like introduce themselves. Um, and so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people talking, not saying a lot. And I mm-hmm. think, as you said, there's a, that's the a situation with Rollins, the situation with Bo Dallas. With the exception of Bray Wyatt, um, they, they don't really feel like the old... DiBiase vignettes, for example, where you really understand yeah. the character.
1: Yeah. No, that's that a good mm-hmm. shot. I mean, that was something that Vince has got a lot of criticisms. Vincent Mons gets a lot of, uh, a lot of people putting him down and, and then in certain circles and certain conversations, rightfully so. However, one thing he did get right a lot of the time, especially in the eighties was how to promote a guy coming in.
0: Well, the, the one thing that you could say for a lot of those characters was you could explain them in a sentence. Yeah. Okay. Like, you, you could put like their name and who they were on a business card, if you needed to, mm. and people would be like, you know, Ted DiBiase, Million Dollar Man, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes. I'm Mr. Perfect as well. All the the or, sporting or he, if, Yeah.
0: Or if you had to describe someone to to a friend who'd never watched wrestling, you'd be like, "You got to see this guy. He is this," and yeah, people would immediately understand.
1: Yeah. Okay. And it's, it does almost feel a little bit like the opposite of that. You couldn't do this to, for me, you couldn't do this with a, with half the guys appearing on this first episode, but they're very mm-hmm. much, it really feels in this first episode that <laughs> I suppose it's state in the bleed and obvious, but they're just beginning and that nothing is that they are literally setting the stage for the coming weeks, as opposed to worrying about what's right in front of them there and then, which I, I, obviously you know we know the company does does, does well for us so All it creates entertaining television at least so it, it obviously works because they're setting the story out or setting out characters and individuals for the future but at that moment i wonder how people would react with regards to trying to get viewers to come back next week if there isn't that instant hook because obviously television wrestling is different to say um live events isn't it on television you're trying to Hook people to come back next week. At the moment, we have you'll see Seth Rollins next week. And yeah, we'll, uh, and I suppose literally at the same time we're told we'll see Cesaro next week. Mm-hmm. That aside, yeah. there's nothing really. I think that kind of hooks you,
0: maybe as a viewer. No, but then I think potentially you could look at that and say the novelty of it, because okay, I imagine yeah. I imagine it being episode one people will be invested, like will have turned up because it's new Mm. Uh, because people do that. You know, you Tesco opens up down the street. You'll still go because it's a new one. You know, it's in Tesco. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, And I mean, while it didn't say a lot in terms of Seth Rollins or Bo Dallas, I mean, Bo Dallas is a difficult one and actually is Seth because they're not just gimmicks. Like, you know, they're not a character that can be explained in one word Mm -hmm. or two words. I mean, And so I think the thing is with, with the package with Rollins, like even though it didn't say much, I'd still be interested. I still think it created enough of a buzz Mm -hmm. that people would be like, well, I'm going to turn up tomorrow, turn up tomorrow, turn up next week to see Seth Rollins. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know. What do you think?
1: No, no. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the notes I've got for when we sort of summarize the episode, to be honest, is, There's enough there to make me want to come back. But I can't tell you specifically what it is that makes me want to come back.
0: Well, I guess that's not really what they need to worry about. Just that you come back.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So Seth Rollins and Cesaro are to debut next week, we're told. But here Mm. we get two familiar faces for me, two guys I actually knew. Which was great, <laughs> Damien <laughs> Sandai, and he is going to, or, or so we are led to believe, he is going to face Jason Jordan. Now, first of all, Jason Jordan with hair froze me completely. He looks like a different bloke.
0: Yeah, that afro. Mm, I think he looks better with the with the crew cut myself.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Damian Sandi comes out and basically he's got the microphone, and I, I'm a big Sandai fan. I think this guy is superb. he's great character work and you know it's so good and he's he's explaining how he's the intellectual of nxt and he's above everyone when it comes to education and so on and then he basically just explains that he's not going to lower himself to wrestling this ignoramus which i thought was a great choice of words and then Mm. just buggers off
0: and that's that yeah (laughs) Yeah. typical sandow fair really i mean this Mm. is what he did When he was debuting on SmackDown for a few weeks, right. So, and I think again, it it, well, it doesn't do much for uh, Jason Jordan. It does introduce him, and it reintroduces Sandow because Sandow's obviously already been there. But you know, it's a good indication. Okay, so Sandow's going to be around. So, Mm. and again, that's something else where I think, as funny as it sounds to say in twenty twenty two they were borrowing some of his star power to get people to come. Okay. Um, okay. How do I think, you mean? It, well, in that he was a guy from SmackDown. People right. will have seen, you know, I've seen him on the telly. I've not seen Seth Rollins on the telly. I'm going to yeah. come and watch Sandow if I don't come and watch, Ro- and then I'll see Rollins as well, and then he'll make and me And
1: hopefully that's the hook. Yeah, I get you. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, something <laughs> that we do get during this Sandine promo, though, is, is something that it's kind of feels like it's died out over the last year, 18 months, two years, and I'm glad it has. It's the bloody watch Chant. Now, yeah. obviously, this is a step away from what we're looking at, but it, it's part of the show, so I, I think we, we should touch upon it. The watch Chant. What is your feelings on this? Because this dominated interviews and promos on WWE television for years.
0: I personally think the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think we've we've just got different ones now. We've got one okay. for, you know? Yeah. And and you're always going to have that. I think you're always going to have elements of the audience who would like to be part of the show. And then you've got elements of the audience who want to be the show, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. And... Oh, it's a drag,
1: though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it it ruined for me certain promos that could have been more special than they were. I mean, Austin doing doing it, it was part of his character. Mm. It worked, but when it kind of bled into other people's promos, even when Austin wasn't there anymore, he'd retired and he he was long gone. You had maybe people who weren't as confident on the microphone as maybe some of their peers. And you had these fans shouting what at them and almost getting them tripping over their words and so on. And now don't get me wrong. These are people who are, who are paid to do a job. They're out on television. The, the fans have paid their ticket ticket money to come in and, and whatever. But as a viewer sat at home, I was just thinking I'll shut up and let them speak. It wasn't like being booed as a heel. It felt a bit
0: different maybe. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other factor that Ken went into that was the scripting because mm-hmm. there's a particular cadence to how you know wwe's verbiage has been for at least the last 10 years if not more and yeah. so it was very easy for fans to do that very easy for fans to pick the periods and if you were you know more confident on the microphone you could get rid of that so you could kill that stuff out and i mean it's it's like people heckling a comedian if you're a good comedian, you're gonna get rid of those heckles pretty quick. Yeah. If okay. You're coming up, that's a problem. And I just think it's you know, it's just um it's just an element of the game, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and, as a but as an audience member, much like a heckler at a comedy show, you just want them to die in a hole.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> they just want them to go away.
1: Uh we mentioned the ascension earlier on and here we get a promo again a little video package for the ascension and they're actually in our next match as well but i again this is a big a a big eye opener for me because i looked at victor in the opener and thought okay Mm -hmm. the ascension aren't a thing yet and then we get this video package for the ascension and everything's dark and gloomy and there's flashing lights here and there but you can't quite make them out and so on and i'm looking and i'm thinking has he wrestled in the opener and now he's in a tag team. On the, it, what's going on? It took me a little while to twig. It weren't the same guy, and the Ascension were already a thing without Victor being part of them. And it, it, I sort to have a real look. I, 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 I recognise that guy who
0: who's oh, there. You you'll have seen that guy, yeah. probably in, probably in person, right?
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and basically, the, the the individual who is one half of the Ascension here is named Kenneth Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people may know him better as Thomas Latimer or Bram, I guess mm-hmm. is the name that he went under for a long time as well. And yeah. I don't, I, I, I you know, to, be, to no surprise at all to anybody. I don't remember this whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Um, I always knew them as Connor and Victor. Um, I knew of the original iteration of the Ascension, but just cause I, uh, I guess I know that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, very much def- it was very much a project that they had on their books. I feel like they wanted the next Road Warriors. I can't think of a yeah. better way to describe it. They, they were looking for that overpower team. I mean, they came in as heels. I don't know for certain because I can't read minds whether or not they wanted to transition them into baby faces, But then two guys who annihilate everything that's put in front of them, what's not to like?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know? and yeah they were um that being said their original um like vignette boy that was very much we are evil wasn't it
1: yeah atmospheric it was... and the entrance it... as well because it was all dark and and the contact yeah. lenses that glowed and so on mm-hmm. i thought it was really visually i thought it was really good it's very cool
0: again i think mm. it gave me ultimate warrior vibes in that okay. in, in not in that they ran down with tassels as in you don't really know what's going on. You don't really know what they're saying, but it's kind of cool. So I'll keep looking. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I get it. Uh, the The Ascension here are facing the tag team of Mike Dalton and CJ Parker. Straight away, I was like, CJ Parker? Where do I know that name from? And it turns out that was Paul Anderson's character in Baywatch. So that's where <laughs> I knew that name. So, <laughs> But these are two people that are familiar now under different guises
0: as well, aren't they? Again, look at this match in 2022 when you've got Tyler Breeze and Juice Robinson mm-hmm. getting spoilers here for people who haven't watched the review, uh, <laughs> uh, getting annihilated by the Ascension. Yeah. You know, you've got the, I believe he's the US champion, New Japan and Tyler Breeze who, I don't know what he's doing at the minute, but he's been doing a lot.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I like Tyler Breeze when, when he becomes that kind of, i suppose model character with the the selfie stick and so on because that was unique for me the first time somebody came down with a selfie stick and you could see it on the screen behind them and so on, really clever but seeing them here already active in the company tyler breeze Mm -hmm. more so obviously you know juice robinson goes off to do other things but tyler breeze here already in the company Mm -hmm. under a different name in a tag match getting destroyed by the ascension, but not the ascension as I remember them. It was just the whole scenario was just so weird. But again, I, I loved it because it was a case of this is all new to me. And and that's it takes a lot for that sort of thing to happen to me as a wrestling fan now because I've just spent so much of my life sat in front of a screen. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, I again I I enjoyed it. It was exactly what it needed to be, which was, you know, smashing these new guys over. We saw the debut of the Unicorn Stampede, not the not that the New Day were doing it. I remember that. Um, again, don't want to be a stickler for moves because I don't really care. But at the same time, didn't care for the tag finish. Thought that thing was garbage. Oh, what was the name they gave that? Downcast. That's it, oh. yes.
1: Yeah, it kind of... anticlimactic. maybe, is a word you could use. Because they this t- team that's overpowering people and it just didn't... It didn't, it didn't it seem t- as
0: big enough of a deal. Didn't fit for me. No, it didn't fit. Mm. Sort of like a spin, a running, spinning jawbreaker and a flapjack, yeah. not, not together. Mm. No. Yeah.
1: See, I'm a big fan of seeing tag teams. The whole purpose of, of tag wrestling for me is not the whole purpose, but a big part of it, sorry, is seeing the guys work together and have moves that require two people. That to me is a big part of what separates it from other types of wrestling. So when you see a tag team that have a finish that isn't necessarily I mean, it is both guys doing something, but it's kind it felt kind of hers one moment, hers the next, as opposed to working together to, to to get the victory, so to speak.
0: It doesn't quite tick the boxes I want for my tag wrestling, maybe. I'm very much in the same camp as you. I would take a singular move over a combo mm. any day. Any day, yeah. twice on Sunday. Yeah,
1: fair enough. Uh, we come then to, to me, one of the highlights of the show. The first sighting of Bray Wyatt and the creepy music and he's out in the swamps and the, the the hat. And oh this is just
0: gold, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Like, again, it's a proper old, like, 80s vignette. Yes. Isn't it? And the whole, and it just coming soon
1: yeah oh it is, it's fantastic
0: you know I mean,
1: it goes on to do lots of different things as we know but this version of bray wyatt which to be, you know shortly becomes the wyatt family and so on as well doesn't it and mm-hmm. i i loved this version of what it made really good use of how talented the guy is you know as a promo on the on the mic i suppose is the term that some people use and mm-hmm. his character work and so on it's to me, a big part of it, if you're going to play a kind of, I, I, I suppose, 80s style character, not meaning it's dated, but the fact that it is proper character work, which it's, you don't get. It's, as... a,
0: it's a gimmick.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, 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 uh, you're, you're having a real, a proper gimmick, then. You need some real acting chops to make this believable. And I don't doubt for a second that Bray Wyatt is this guy. I, 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 I buy in completely
0: yeah the, he's he's uh he's been watching cape fear he's been doing his research yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: definitely Oh, it's, it's so good i can't wait for that to, to, to come to fruition yes. and see him debut and so on
0: mm-hmm. it's definitely the iteration of bray wyatt that i care for the most i do feel it jumped the shark at some point
1: right okay but,
0: yeah. I, I, but this bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt.
1: Lovely. Yeah. Creepy. Creepy yeah. oh, nah. I'm just so good. Uh, we then come to the gents toilets. And we Ugh, don't we I was a bit confused by this because I knew the guys on screen, but again, I knew them as other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I don't ever want to be seen as being critical of what we're watching or, or digging people out. But here we have johnny curtis and derek bateman interacting in the toilet then interacting outside the toilet and they obviously don't get along and they're kind of they're having a bit of a back and forth which instantly is the the, the first real example of this we've gotten so far because otherwise it's been wrestling or vignettes so this is the first interaction we've we've kind of seen away from the ring between two wrestlers i didn't know who I was supposed to like and dislike initially. It just kind have, of seemed a bit
0: vague in general. Sure. Have you watched 40 year old Virgin or Anchorman or Knocked Up or any of the movies like that? I've where, seen they just, where they just set up a camera and they have them do funny improv. I am almost certain that that's what they wanted them to do. And it was, it was improv. Yeah. Some of it was even funny. What it didn't do is make me really care about either of them. No, no, fair way of putting it. I I think that they did have some stuff carried over. This may be stuff that they carried over from like, because I know that they were both on NXT Redemption, which was like the game show after a nuclear bomb had hit it or whatever. And it was just, you know, the dregs just wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I just didn't care. And yeah, why were they in a toilet? And who, again, I, they were people who I think probably needed in reintroducing because I, again, I wasn't there 10 years ago. I don't remember, but I don't think that they would have had the household name cachet of say like a Damien Sandow where like people would have known who these characters were, what they were about. I feel like they really probably should have come in more cold than to have whatever it was they did. I mean, again, I I got that Johnny Curtis was a bit weird and a bit of a douche. Yeah. Beyond that, uh, I didn't, it didn't make me care. No, no, that's exactly right. It fell flat for me.
1: Uh, And Johnny Curtis and Derek Bateman, for those who who are unaware are EC3 now and, Fandango in, in some point in the future from this point as well. To me, Regal here though, shows how brilliant he is because we come back to the commentary and the ring and, and the, the, the arena, the hall or however you want to word it. And straight away, William Regal on commentary names, both the guys Mm -hmm. and starts putting dang the heel saying that he would smashed him in the mouth. And so, so instantly Regal within 15 seconds, has made me gather up uh, he's, been, he's been more informative i suppose than the whole the whole segment itself i instantly know okay this guy is this guy he is this person and they're going to square off at some point in the future i, I got a bit more of it once regal had kind of tidied it up a touch maybe very
0: much he he condensed what they were trying to do with their minute and a half improv into you know a sentence
1: yeah yeah definitely that brings us then to our main event and I'm going to butcher this guy's name purely because it's got lots of syllables and I'm rubbish at that sort of thing, but we have the son of Mr. Perfect, Michael McGillicutty. That's right. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and he is facing product of the dungeon in Canada, Tyson Kidd. both guys, huge amount of pedigree there, you know, family histories and so on for a little while again i was unsure who was the face who was the heel but very quickly it it was made clear to me and that's more my hang-up i suppose having watching this for the first time as opposed to the guys in the ring but yeah. for a main event I, I, I was expecting a little bit more in regards to name value potentially but mm-hmm. as far as the match goes
0: i enjoyed this absolutely i think It was the first real competitive match that they had on the show, which Mm -hmm. again I feel like it kind of that is what it is because they're very much laying the groundwork. They need to get they need to you know bring some people up, which means you know you're gonna have you don't have to have like squash matches, but you know some people gotta look good, some people gotta look less good. Yeah, Um, I think again looking at it from that 2012 prism, McGillicuddy and Tyson Kidd were two. Guys who would have been more recognized than some of the people lower down the card, which mm. I think, again, is why you have that as your main event. Um, which, again, you look at it today and you go, well, wow, that, that's interesting to see uh, some of the guys underneath, you know, Curtis Axel mm. and, you know, Tyson Kidd. Um, but yeah, uh, this would be one of the examples of when I was saying about how wrestling so different. Mm. Uh, these guys like all of the wrestling again it was really solid it was really crisp they didn't go overboard with anything because it was the main event of a tv show but it was all really solid again it was two solid wrestlers doing like really fundamentally sound wrestling you know i again i think it was fairly technically based um i had one gripe i remember which was that curtis axel Put on the sharpshooter wrong, and oh, yeah. not not that that didn't bother me. What bothered me was that Tyson Kidd sort of held his own foot there when it when he could have moved it away, and it just been a single leg crab, and it would have been fine. And again, that's if that's the only thing I can nitpick, it's not so bad. But it did sort of take me out, t- took me out of it for a moment.
1: Yeah, no, I get you, I get you. I mean that there is some good stuff by both guys here. We, we early on we see a lot of hammer locks and headlocks and, and take downs and go, and that, and that always. You know starts a match off well for me rather than just a tie up and they separate and so there's there's a bit going on straight away mm-hmm. uh tyson Kidd, i've not seen masses of i think I, I don't know whether i just wasn't watching in the right places when he was you know get breaking through and having his, his moments of success i remember him in a tag team with the british bulldogs son for a period on the main roster mm-hmm. and then there was an injury that obviously you know, has, has seen him not return to the ring since. So I think I missed his best days, potentially from from a watching a viewing fan standpoint. This was was I was really impressed with him. I thought this was great,
0: yeah, I think everyone missed his best days. I think he was hamstrung with injury. I think that he was woefully underrated by the people running the show. Um, he did have a run as a team with Cesaro that was good. Oh Um, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But like, again, he was just, again, he was one of those missed opportunities I feel because yeah, he, his wrestling was awesome and he had a lot of, so for me, a big thing that's missing from wrestling today is everyone's got the moves. Like the moves are wonderful and they get more and more death defying. It's the connective tissue. It's the stuff in between moves that people don't necessarily like pick up on. So, Logan Paul wrestled recently. There's a yep. big divergent, but and everyone's raving about like how well he did, and he did. He did very well for someone who's it's his it's his second match. But it's that stuff in between. So throughout Tyson Kidd's comeback, whenever there was a break in play, he still sold the offense that had been you know dealt to him by McGillicuddy. It was still there, and oh, I think yeah. that's something that gets missed a lot now. Things like that, where you watch a lot of wrestling now and it's very much, okay, it's my turn to hit moves, da-da-da-da-da. I'm gonna go a thousand miles an hour and hit my stuff because this is what, you know, what's gonna get me <clears throat> what's gonna get me noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think without that connective tissue, the story falls flat for a lot of people. And again, if you're that person sitting in the audience wondering, well, why doesn't that hurt anymore? That man just got dropped on his head, for example. Why is why is he now fine? Um, it, again, it's something that I think can take it out of it. It's very much like if you're watching a movie and all of a sudden you see a boom mic swing into focus. Yeah. You know? And it's not stuff that will you'll be praised for, but it's the stuff that makes the big things you do that much better.
1: There's a couple of aspects of that that, that, that a pet hates of mine. But, I mean, it's not as it's not as in-depth or, or going to be as well explained as yourself there. Cause what you said there made so much sense on so many different levels, but it's little things like, for example, if a wrestler is working on the arm of their opponent and then 30 seconds later, that opponent uses that arm to close line them. That is one that I just sort of think, Oh man. And the only reason I think that way is because I've seen somebody else whose name escapes me right now do that. And then drop to the floor, holding the arm, still selling the, the you know, so that to me makes a big difference. And the other one is the, the, the springboard. If someone's been working on the knee or the ankle of their opponent, and then as you said, it's their turn, I guess. And then mm. they springboard up to the top rope and don't sell the move at all. Uh, the previous pain, sorry, the previous moves at all. That kind of takes me out a bit as well. And the reason again, it does that is because I've seen somebody else do this springboard up to the rope and then fall off clutching the knee again because of the previous offense that they've suffered so it, it, i I know where you're coming from with this and tyson mm. kid here everything kind of seemed to link into itself didn't it you, you say the stuff between the moves and you're spot on because what he was doing between the moves i mean I, I i watched it i knew it was good but i couldn't pinpoint why but now you've explained it it makes perfect sense to me
0: yeah and i think that Again, way off topic, but I think that's where we're going towards the more sort of the stuff that is celebrated, the stuff that's a bit more obvious, if that makes sense. Like where you see it on an AEW or whatever, mm-hmm. um, where people are like, oh, he did 17 flips. Oh. Yeah. Or that, that big spot where they dived out the ring and hit 19 guys. But as you said, also didn't, you know, factor in the fact that their leg had been smashed into a ring post 30 seconds prior.
1: Yeah. It's storytelling yeah it's it's simple yeah yeah there we go there we go ah okay i mean we we ultimately get a perfect plex attempt by mcgillicuddy that gets turned into a dungeon lock now this threw me because i initially tyson kid went for what i thought was a sharpshooter it got blocked then we had the sharpshooter put on him slightly wobbly as you mentioned and then they go for what I think was the sharpshooter again. And then it ended up not being a sharpshooter. And I literally sat there watching. and went, oh, what's
0: up? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, I think it was kids attempt to, uh, you know, do something uh, like a, almost like Charlotte's figure eight, where it's yeah. a play on the established tropes. It didn't quite take in the same way as the figure eight did. And I think he went back to the sharpshooter shortly thereafter, but it was fun. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure quite how it works and I do this on occasion, but it sure <laughs> looks like a move, doesn't it? Doesn't it, it look did. like a move? The dungeon lock,
1: apparently the dungeon lock, yeah. re- referred to it as. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and that was it. That's kind of the end of that first episode of NXT. Uh, obviously we have next week, we have Cesaro and Seth Rollins to look forward to and more coming, I guess, with people that we haven't seen yet, potentially, but, uh,
0: we're going to rate. Forget. I was going to say, don't forget Johnny Curtis and Derek Bateman. Oh yes,
1: yes indeed. They, the the, the they of
0: they didn't have that chat in the dunny for nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, what a wasted trip to the toilet if a match doesn't come from that. Eh? <laughs> uh, we're going to review each show as we go by, or each episode of the television, the takeovers, and so on. When we get there uh, in. Uh, a very straightforward format similar to nitro nights the show overall we're going to give a thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle kind of a hit miss or middling kind of aspect and we're also going to pick out our good points and our bad points so one or two things that stood out that we loved one or two things that maybe didn't quite tick the box for us or we were unsure of and so on and we're going to refer to those as uh, for our good points our glorious and for our downside our bad points our soft which will come into a reference in a few years time as then yeah, it's seasonal yeah. progresses.
0: We'll pick up on those in yeah a couple of years.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The sound effects that'll be getting played in right now will make sense though.
0: So <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's only one word to
0: describe you. Glorious You saw up your slap.
1: <laughs> so Joshua, my friend Do you want to go with your soft or your glorious first, bud?
0: Oh, I think I'll go with my soft first. And it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that it was toilet improv. Right. It just, again, I can see what they were trying, but it just fell so flat. And I just didn't care. Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Mine's exactly the same. I've got soft toilet scene written down in front of me. It's just it just didn't quite hit what they wanted. I'm assuming, you know, but, but there we go. Uh, what about your glorious moment? What about your, your top level, most enjoyable thing from this show?
0: Again, for me, the glorious shouldn't really be a surprise. It was the main event. It was really top quality, solid wrestling. I think it, if you, it's would still hold up today. If you were to have the match. Um, and, You know, considering that everything was pretty cold, they didn't have anything. You know, it was starting again, so you did just have a flat match. It was a very, very good, you know, match in a bubble without any context
1: yeah this is this is almost like I, i'm looking over your shoulder at your notes or something because my glorious is exactly the same it's the main event it was the best best match on the card i mean i suppose as you said it was the only match that was really allowed to be competitive but that's the nature of this tv program and the format it's currently running in mm-hmm. i got a big kick out of jim ross being there because i'm just a big jim ross mark i think the guy's
0: great and here and I just, think was, sorry to interject but i think no, it's, carry on. it's jim ross with a bit of fire still yeah. i think there's too much almost, you know, there's too much where Jim Ross nowadays is just not as invested. He's older, he's not as invested. You know, I think he's still putting a shift in with this one, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: I mean, Dusty, and anytime will see Dusty Rhodes is, is is great for me. That music, just Dusty himself, just, just fantastic. But the main event eclipses all that because it was ultimately, I watch a wrestling show for the wrestling. It says uh-huh. wrestling on the poster, it says wrestling on the sign, however you want to word it. And that was the best part of the wrestling from this show so yeah there we go absolutely hit miss or middle in my friend
0: well I think the aim of the show was to get people to watch the next show and so for me it's a hit Mm -hmm. it it had enough on it for me to have me intrigued to watch the next one
1: yeah yeah I agree I I got hit as well um yeah it has me hooked to make me want to watch the next one but also because I had so much enjoyment at sitting there and going, I recognize that dude. Who's that? <laughs> and then Googling, and oh my god, yeah, it's that person. And uh, For so many of the wrestlers, and seeing people, I mean, EC3 in, in TNA, I was a big fan of. Uh, yeah. First of all, what an entrance theme. That was incredible. But EC3 in oh, really? TNA, I was a big fan of. So seeing him here in a former guy, a, a former gimmick or character, however you want to word it, I got a kick out of that. Uh, obviously, I know Fandango. I wasn't aware that he was playing this role in nxt as well and and all the other guys being involved and so on yeah it it was enough there to cross over the line into into hit territory for me bud
0: Mm -hmm. awesome no excellent
1: okay so then there we go that basically concludes our first our first episode our first podcast our first look back on nxt uh next week we'll be looking at the second episode of nxt from full sail which first broadcast on the 27th of june 2012 Uh, but before we get there we better hand out some contact details and some social media stuff like we are expected to do in case anybody wants to follow us josh anywhere people can follow you or see you do a bit of the wrestling
0: um they can find my facebook page i'm joshua goodwin uh i don't really have any other socials so you know they can all, they can always uh if they if they want to get hold of me they can get hold of you how's that
1: yeah that sounds good that sounds good and you can get hold of the show first of all on twitter at nxt underscore ryzen 4 so that's at nxt underscore ryzen 4 and that is part of sjp world media And you can find that on Twitter also and on Facebook at SJP World Media. Uh, My handle on Twitter is at SJP Words, but it's easier to get hold of the network and so on and check out all the other great shows that we have coming out there. Uh, This one is primarily going to be weekly. So hopefully you've enjoyed our first episode and you'll join us again next week. Josh, I've had a blast, my friend. Really enjoyed it.
0: Hi, good fun. Let's, uh, Let's do another one.
1: Yeah, I think we shall. I think we shall. I'll speak to you next week, bud. I right, see everyone later and to everybody else as always thank you for listening